Hello. Dave. Welcome to another episode of Flail Forward and all that. Yep. Here we are. Hey, everyone. Let's see if that's still okay. I think we're good. Yeah, I didn't go that far. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, yeah. given our topic today, our topic. Okay. <laughs> yes. Yes, our topic today, death. Bum, bum, bum. Death. In RPGs. Yes. What's it do? Why have death in a game? Maybe why not include it? Catrice, you, All you, these issues and more. This is your topic. Please explain it how you want it to be explained. Yeah. Precisely. Um, okay, mostly we were just trying to come up with any kind of a topic, so this was kind of about as bullshitty as most of the things we were coming up with, but as mostly just I, thinking I like... Think, I do think this is better than what is a vampire. As a head. I, I don't know. I mean, we could include vampires within part of this, to be honest. Like, There's only one type of vampire in my book, and they sparkle. <laughs> Hey, keep in mind that yes, vampires sparkle when you hit them with incendiary rounds. What are you clicking? <laughs> Sorry, I can stop anytime. But yeah, for for the topic thing, I was thinking of the concept like not just death as in death of your your player characters, but also like how does death work in the setting in the world and you know death of npcs like is it handled differently do you have to kill everything you come across like if you have if you run into an enemy do you have to murder them or are there other options like there's a lot of things that death is a very broad topic when it comes to rpgs because they're so it happens so often in RPGs. Yeah, and I think that's definitely inspired by the D and D. Um, I don't know mantra of kill things, steal their stuff, kill bigger things, um, and that's kind of been prevalent through a lot of games. So the goal is death. <laughs> the goal, yeah, exactly. It was to beat things like from a very wargaming start mm -hmm. i think it's always been to like conquer other things mm -hmm. um and that usually there, involves that there is of course the important note that just killing things doesn't always uh remove them in D, &D because it is one of those settings but yeah i thought you're gonna say killing things doesn't just solve your problems and i was gonna be like what are you talking about that's <laughs> patently <laughs> false Oh god, I just remembered a horrible uh comedy song, Canadian comedy song from the nineties. <laughs> but I it's uh, yeah. I um I think that there's kind of a bigger push in games as well to move away from death in RPGs. Uh specifically that there are other ways of bringing about sort of conflict in a story that doesn't involve killing your enemies. Well, I mean <clears throat> Uh, it, I think 
before that discussion can be had, we have to figure out what death means in an RPG to, to that RPG. So like in D and D, like you mentioned, death is like the fail state of something. That's just, that's the ultimate loss of agency in that game. You can no longer play, but that's not necessarily the case in every game. Sometimes death means, um, you pick a different, I mean, like in blades in the dark, death can mean you turn into a vampire or you become a ghost. Um, so, or um, what's the other thing? The robot doodly, whatever they call it. Cavor. I don't remember the term. The shell. But I, do. I don't know. It's like shell or or hollow or something like that. Anyway, the robot thing. But you can like if you die in Blaze in the Dark, it's not necessarily the end of the game. Um, Blaze in the Dark conceptualizes the end of the game um, as retiring or being in jail forever. Yeah. Yeah. Oddly enough, um, there was an interesting form of death that was based on a game that was based on D D, which was the video game of um Planescape Torment, where your main character as a part of the plot is immortal. And sometimes you actually have to die as part of the plot to actually push the plot forward. Uh, the term is hall, yeah. by the way. Sorry? The term is hall, by the way. H-U-L-L. Hall. Oh, okay. Oh, empty hall. Yeah, I guess that makes yeah. sense. Oh. Yeah, and there hall, are a few. I was close. Uh, but, uh, and the, uh, before we go further, the one game I wanted to bring up that, that does that is um, Phoenix Dawn Command uh, by Keith Baker. That you, you have to die to level up in that game. And it's like what you what you trade your life for is uh, determines like how you die actually determines like what class you get on the next go round, um, and uh, but there's if, if there's some really cool things about that game. It's really uh, I don't know it's underrated I think, but it's also kind of hard to get into because it's a box set and it's card based, and the rule book is a is really thick. <laughs> The, uh, the one that I'm thinking about is Fate of the Norns, uh, which I believe has specific rules for your Norn passing away and leaving kind of a legacy for the next Norn that you choose to pick up and play. Um, so there's kind of like this, it's built into the mechanics of the game that you want to continue sort of the legacy of your character um, beyond just one life. So Yeah, um, yeah but all of those things mean something different to the game. Yeah. So it's like... yeah. Uh, in some or, games it's a transition and in some games it's a fail state right so right? i think and is there is there another is there another broad way to, sorry go ahead. game that's important to me which is uh urban shadows which has a mm -hmm. death which has end moves for everyone which is when you die or retire your character something happens some of them are good some of them are bad all of them are affect the narrative state <laughs> they're just things that like they're it is expected to happen enough that it, that it has a special thing that happens when it happens. <laughs> it is... mm. Right. So it's a move in, in Power by the Apocalypse. That's yeah, in, uh, in Urban Shadows specifically. In Urban Shadows. Some, some, right. I think some other ones might have it, but Urban Shadows mm -hmm. is the one I know it from. Specifically. Okay. Yeah. Uh, some of them are not don't happen when you retire. Some of them only happen when you die. Uh, for example, the tainted is when you die, cash in all debts with your patron. Your patron owes 
you to come back to look. Like, if you have none, your patron will ask someone else to pay the debt for you. If they refuse, time's up, you're gone. Uh, it's pretty simple. You know, hmm. just uh, you can't die until, you, you know, the tail's eight. Right. Uh, some of them are just, hey, you, you, you don't, you fail to die, but uh, others are like with the arc. The Oracle, when you die or retire, announce a proclamation upon the world that will reverberate in dreams worldwide. Detail the signs of its coming. The MC will make sure the your prophecy comes to pass sooner rather than later. Hmm. So, so in no in that kind of game, death has a specific effect, but it's not, and it's a fail state. Yeah, in a sense, a fail state for that character. Yeah, for that character, it, right? It's assumed that you were making another one most of the time, though. Hmm. Well, that's another thing that, that happens with death in either case. So some, it has to be handled in some way. So either, like it's most games, I think it's assumed that you make a new character. And the extent to which games allow for easy insertion varies. So it's like in D and D, you know, you're all rag. It's kind of weirdly assumed that you're a ragtag bunch of adventurers having met each other only recently, and then you know, if somebody dies, then you can just it. it you meet another random person, and they're like, "I also have the quest to, to fight the Dark Lord." And I have to have a a skill set that will slot into your party in a similar way. <laughs> <laughs> yes, or maybe slightly differently. Yeah, it doesn't really feel that great, though. Like, the idea yeah. that your character is completely disposable, but you're just going to make a new one, in which case you're not really dealing with the consequences of death. You just basically skip over it and move on to the next thing. It's like, okay, so we totally had this character die. This didn't actually bother anybody watching their comrade in arms get you know horribly mangled in front of them it's totally fine don't worry about it no big deal um also we totally replaced them like five minutes later it's like i don't like that setup just in general it's like it's not even that it's a fail state because it's not really a fail state because you didn't really slow down or stop anything. It's a punishment for the player. It's not actually a failed state of the game unless everybody dies, in which case then it's usually, well, I guess we can't really just add a new person to the party because there's no party anymore. Mm-hmm. I, I I don't like that setup for it. it. It doesn't come across as interesting and there's like no real consequence for death oddly enough it's mm-hmm. like yeah your character died but you're just gonna make a new character that's basically the same as the old character potentially like you might try something new out but it's but still like, yeah there. i mean to be fair in like the gamers 2 movie which is literally based on a bunch of people playing D&D. Mm-hmm. They had one of the people in the movies like playing a bard. His bard dies. 
who's like, roll a new character. It's like, so he comes back the next day with the, uh, the next play session. He's got a bard that looks suspiciously identical to the previous bard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then that bard dies and he pulls out another one this time. It's like, wait, you have another one of those? All right. And that bard dies and he pulls out another. How many of those do you have? And he just pulls out a pile of like 50 pages and just dumps them on the table. <laughs> I can do this all night. <laughs> Which actually became a plot point because it's like there was a boss trying to like cast us. Like they were trying to cast a spell to defeat the boss and he literally just uses nah. the line, hide behind the pile of dead bards. Wow. So <laughs> it was kind of dumb, but the concept of death in that case, it had no meaning. Mm-hmm. There was no downside to the bard dying because, oh, there's another bard that just happens to wander by that looks exactly the same. Right, well, but why does death have to have a downside, though? I don't think I mean, it I, really does, but like the D and D argument, or at least when you, you, when I tried to explain to people that in my game your death is not permanent, usually the first thing almost everyone says is, "Well, you have to have death. There has to be a penalty for, you know." Right losing like you have to be penalized and you have to you know die and make a new character because if there's no penalty for death then the players are just not going to care about their characters and they'll go do suicidal things because there's no risk involved i mean that's not how it actually happens though yeah all all that is just a lot of times that that big thing can be solved with a good session zero like like in in my session zero for a game that i i'm currently running i basically said like uh, at first i'm not going to allow you guys to die like you guys aren't going to die because you guys are making these characters and you like it now if you want your character to die like if you want to talk to me and say you don't like your character anymore you, you know We'll we'll come up with a nice way together, um, and if you want me to add death in as a as a possible result later, we can talk about that too. But uh, like like we are going to as as a group, you know, make sure that no one dies because we're all like we're all not really playing like a like we're all playing an RPG, but we're not playing like 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 hardcore. We're not trying to you know beat a game. We're we're trying to tell a story together. And that's, mm-hmm. that's typically my GM style is, is very like, narrative, very like, like, Hey, let's all sit around the campfire, tell a story. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's one of the things that bothers me about this, this mindset though, is it's exactly what you said. It's like, this is hardcore. Like in most video games, this is hardcore mm-hmm. mode where you, your save gets deleted or your character is gone forever. Once you die, that's the end of the game. It's like, very, very few people actually like hardcore mode. That's like maybe 5% of the playing population. Mm-hmm. So why is that the default in tabletop role-playing games when it's very hard to start the game over again? It's not like mm-hmm. 
tabletop role-playing games are you're playing a rogue-like game where, oh, my character died, but I can start over the game in like five seconds. Yeah, there are games like that, though. There are, but usually not. Like, yes, it, it's That's usually it. much more involved for making a character. It's like, why? Not even. Is uh, this- like even outside of making a character, as you said, that's trivial if you haven't ready. But like, the game's not going to stop because the character died, even if the character is important in yeah. most RPG circumstances. Mm-hmm. And most narrative structures are not set up to account for that. You get what I mean? Like, yeah, it's possible to set them up, and if you accept that, like, this is going to be what the game is, then yeah. You can do interesting things with it. Yeah, there there are some that take it into account. Like I, I'm sure we've mentioned the thing about like the Cobalt game, where you literally have you don't have hit points or anything. You have multiple Cobalts, and mm-hmm. when you basically screw up, you lose a Cobalt, and you have a set number of Cobalts to use. Right. I think I think that's something that's really interesting. That like I feel like. It's sort of coming back from the wargaming roots of like this game, the role playing game, being sort of a hybrid of the wargaming aspect and telling a story where death is really key to that action oriented wargaming side because that's the consequences that you're losing units, you're losing your resources, and you're trying to maintain the, the ability for your characters to stay in a fight. But then there's sort of this other side of you don't want to lose that character because then you can't tell the story anymore. That that character's arc would end if they were to just suddenly die. Um, and that's sort of the, the more story-driven narrative approach to what RPGs have to offer. So this, it's interesting that um, where we're seeing like these different uh, ideas of why death is included are changing from what was previously sort of a, a norm um, or what was in the most popular games. Um, I've been noticing a lot more people moving towards the story end and trying to move away from death as this inhibitor and just say that let's include it as part of the narrative process of telling that story um, and moving away from the hardcore mechanics. And that's why you said that it's like the hardcore mode because it's really focusing on the the mechanics of play. Mm. Which is still so odd. Again, because like... Well, I, I do know for some so people, like for for some... And I'd say it's it's honestly a small amount of people that I've played with. Like, like they're... They don't have, you know, the, the Jiminy Cricket on their shoulder, like telling them that, you know, hey, this is a bad idea. You shouldn't do that. Mm. Like... Like, when some character's like, okay, I'm going to go distract the dragon from attacking you all by going up and tickling it. It's like, cool, like, that will totally distract the dragon from everyone else, but you will probably die. Like, and, like, as a GM, you can either outright say it or just be like, hey, think about what you're doing, because, like, death is the thing in this game. Like, for my players, like, even though I told them they can't die, if they wanted to do something like that, I'd be like, I'd be like, think about it for a second. Like, you, you are going to die, and this is going to be an instance in which I am not going to stop you from dying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, <laughs> I think if you're upfront about it, though, that's the idea, right? Like, yeah, you, you telegraph the consequences. Mm-hmm. I think to something like that, though, this is where the lack of 
permanent death in a game is kind of a good thing, I think. Because, like, in my game, you could totally do that. And there is a person... There is a chance it might work, but it probably won't. You probably will get yourself killed. You will not die permanently. You will just learn that this was a terrible idea. And you will be stuck with basically a phobia of dragons until you confront the fact that you did something this stupid. You're going to have to somehow deal with the dragon in the future and overcome that fear. Mm. The dragon is a really weird example in your case, because that means they might be afraid of one of their friends. <laughs> that is potentially the case as well, yeah. Actually, <laughs> to be fair, one of the playtester characters is afraid of the dragon in their party. Actually, thinking on that, that's actually very reasonable, given what dragons are like in your setting. Carry on, sorry. Yeah, okay. totally. I, I think I mentioned this before, but the very first session of that game, that like the first thing the dragon was told was like, you know, you're you're not necessary like if you die, you will be able to be revived. I don't suggest testing this. First thing they do is test it. They like tear their own throat out and it's like, oh my god, really? It's like the the one who is telling them is just looks at the other people and is just like dragons. <laughs> but yeah, the, like one of the other characters is totally scared of the dragon and has been since that time because it's like the first thing you did when I met you was you killed yourself. <laughs> that is a legitimate terrifying thing to do but uh, it also occurs to me that like PCs in your game being apart from each other is perfectly reasonable given the, your PCs like given the selection process for a player character in that game I think a few of them I think you could end up with some pretty terrifying fucking people that you just have to deal with <laughs> like oh yeah I'm here to reform myself so that I can be a better villain and <laughs> Yeah, that is a totally legitimate thing that can happen. You could totally have a character. Like, put, those in the same, like, put those in the same group, or it's like... <laughs> yeah, you can learn something from each other. Yeah, that's true. But the, the point of that, though, is that, like, you know, being killed, the interesting part of being killed in that case is you have had something terrible happen to you you are aware of the fact that something terrible has happened to you there are also consequences for the fact that because you died there are ramifications to that you basically have to clean up the mess that was caused and not just like the blood obviously but like if you died like if if you have like a full party wipe, for example, everybody dies. In in D and D, it's like, oh well, I guess we just start a new game. And it's like there goes like all the storyline, and it like it's not an enjoyable end to the game. Whereas in like my game, it's like, okay, you've all died horribly. Whatever you were trying to accomplish, it now knows that you're trying to kill them. And because you're all dead, there are probably other consequences related to your failure. You have to actually deal 
with the fact that you have failed in whatever your mission was. There's like actual consequences for the player characters in this situation. I think that's typically a lot more interesting in terms of gameplay and storyline. Yeah. I I think, I mean, generally speaking, Blades in the Dark doesn't kill you. Uh, it does It does make your life more complicated, though. Making yeah. things I, more I complicated think, is interesting, though. Yeah, that's, that's, that, I think yeah. that's why it doesn't kill you. In the well, narrative sense, too, right? Like, it's, yeah. the yeah. focus is on being able to tell a more interesting story in the long run, as opposed to just hampering your ability to actually do the action of the game. Right. Yeah. I, right. I kind of wanted to. Like, uh, yeah, there's a lot of games where the default dying state is if you if you just if you think uh, if you you only you only die if you and if you do like that's your choice etc. Yeah, like as a default state for a lot of games. Mm-hmm. I had a point here somewhere, but I guess it's mostly if if it makes sense for the story and if and if it comes. In terms that make sense, and you have control over it, then yeah, there are good uses for player characters permanently dying and needing to be replaced. But so, what you're saying is, if if death is somehow an extension of the player's agency, yeah, then okay, it doesn't run into a lot of the problems that random death creates. Right, right. I, I, I think I think that is that is the problem. That is the thing that we're we're contrasting is the intentioned death rather than the random one. Yeah, I mean, some will find intentional death. Sorry, I guess I didn't mean to cut you off. Sorry. Okay. Yeah, but that, I mean, people who uh, think that death think of death as a consequence are not going to think that that's a valid solution because you know doesn't it's not a Framed as a consequence, it, it, there is no tale uh, for the potential of death in those stories because death is, is without tension, kind of, sort of, mm-hmm. not really. Mm-hmm. All tension is na- all yeah. tension is narrative in that case. I still think that there should be tension, and it shouldn't just be narrative. Like, if your character dies in game, then. There should be something mechanical to back it up as this was a bad thing to have happened. Like, you don't want it to be without some sort of, like, in-game mechanical feeling that, yeah, you actually don't want to go through this on a regular basis if you can help it. Like, if if something is in your game as this is an actual concept you want to convey, like, you know, dying is bad, then there should be some sort of mechanic to it. It doesn't necessarily mean that, oh, yeah, make a new character. I don't think that's the best way to do it, but there should be something in there. Not necessarily even necessarily a penalty. but something to make you be like i don't 
really want to experience this again. Right. It's sort of just replacing what that failure state is from like complete loss to something that's still bad, but not detrimental or like not uh, preventing you from being able to continue playing. Yeah. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. I think there's something to that, like that risk of death, basically, or like risk of that fail state that goes is almost more important than the actual fail state itself. Mm. Like there's something about the psychology of just like not wanting to have these negative consequences that I think like you almost want the rules there to be uh, never used, but just to cause fear of the of the consequence to make the the game feel like there is um, sort of that end state that you don't want the players to reach, but ultimately you don't want it to just be that. Here's the end of the story. Everyone go home now. Um, yeah. You, if you're enjoying the game, you don't want that to be the end of the game, especially right. if it's a dissatisfying ending. It's like, Oh, especially when it's like um, what you were saying earlier about, you know, the intentional death versus the the random death. Like the intentional death. Oh, I went out in a blaze of glory. Like I died, but I managed to accomplish the thing that I was trying to do. This is basically the end of this character's story, but they managed to do something meaningful with their life. At least you get a satisfying ending with that. Yep. When it's just, oh, well, you rolled one a few too many times in a row, so I guess you're dead. That's right, exactly. Not fun. Satisfying. No. Yeah. Like it's it's not even like, oh, you did something stupid and this is the consequence <laughs> of your stupidity. Mm. Like that's not that satisfying, but it's like, well, I could have done something to prevent that. It's like I'm not gonna do okay, I'm not gonna tickle the dragon next time. But mm. when it's like, well, I have a really high charisma. And I should be able to succeed at tickling the dragon, but I rolled a two, so I died. That's kind of odd. Oh, I, sure, sure. <laughs> I thought you were going to say roll a one against the dragon's breath weapon, but that's the charisma thing makes sure. <laughs> I'm not sure I would, as a GM, I'm not sure I'd let a charisma check just disarm a dragon completely like that. But uh, yeah, I couldn't imagine the DC <laughs> required for the dragon to be okay with this. Yeah, I know, but like the concept is just—it is a silly example, but it's right. the example I, I we like, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know, there there are characters in games that you know they they built. Like, you know, sort of a face character, a character that they solve almost all their problems through talking it through or just being like, you know, really charismatic. And yeah, sure, we'll, we just totally do whatever and we're not going to be killing everything. And then it's like, okay, there's a dragon. What are you going to do? That does not involve slaying the dragon. I mean, you could go the, you know, typical bard route and lay the dragon, but that might also lead to death because there is definitely the meme of, okay, you succeed in, uh, you totally succeeded in, you know, 
seducing, seducing the red dragon. Seducing yeah. the, you know, giant red dragon. Also, um, he's a top, and he's a lot bigger than you. So. <laughs> <laughs> I thought we weren't going to do the sex episode tonight, Patrice. <laughs> no, we do the sex episode every episode. All right, fine. <laughs> Wait, sorry for me. Uh, did somebody else want to check to see if it's working? For that when they're in? I should check that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, it, looks like it, it looks like it's frozen. Oh, okay. I'm glad I was paying attention, then. Oh, it's not OBS. I think it's I think it's Twitch actually. Oh. Stream is right. going for me. Is it? It's go. It's working. Or it's uh, gone. Would you say? Oh, there it, it goes. Does. It's working. Okay. I guess mine just froze up. Yeah, it's Weird. working again for me. So okay, okay. maybe okay. it's just Great. a temporary thing. Cool. Anyway, mm-hmm. what we're we talking yeah. about? Dragon sex. Okay, so. <laughs> Uh, no, death. Death and RPG. No, well... One may lead okay. to the other. One, yeah, I mean, with the <laughs> dragon, right? Because what if dragons are like praying mantises, right? Where they just eat the other one afterwards? I don't think I mean, that, that can be. Case. I, do, I also think that's unlikely, but given it's a dragon, but that's beside the point. Um... <laughs> Okay, but death, consequences, consequences, right? So the idea of, okay, so what, so the idea of of death is, for most games, is an internalized consequence of that character. And I think what you're trying to say is like, if all of the consequences are internalized, it doesn't feel like there was any impact on the grander world because of this character's death, right? Kind of, yeah. Right. So what, but they're all, there's always uh, bigger impacts on the world when somebody dies. And so I just think that games don't, don't model that. So you don't, you don't see it, but that, I mean, that is what happens. It's just something that's not modeled, but maybe we, you know, it's not super fun to model uh, trauma, but. Speaking of yourself. Okay. Yeah, no, no, I, I also have a fun time modeling trauma, but um, if, I mean, so it, death, death and ashes is weird because what? Go ahead. I'm thinking of like six games that are just basically modeling trauma, including some that are very good, but that's beside the point. Yeah, I think a lot of good ones do it actually, but the way I try and do it is um. So if it's your, one of your troop can die. So I, I do believe, I actually have the possibility of a, a random death occurring to a player, but it is not their main character. The main character is a little more immortal in that they will instinctually externalize the uh, the consequences of their actions because they can warp fate around them. So what happens when they would die is if something else bad happens that they have to then deal with and absorb. So it's similar in, in a way to your game cap where there's a consequence, a, a direct consequence of their death that they have to then address. Um, but it's, I, it's not that different. It's just like the story mechanism is different. 
in our the, games. The in interesting some sense, but part it's, though, uh, the interesting part of most about how you handle yeah. that is that you basically made the default way that most uh most D players like gms had handled it originally like a lot of them were like oh your character doesn't die but you know that that rare magical item that they had oh it seems to have taken the blow for you and it seems to be broken oh that's terrible Mm. Like they still had like something else bad happened in place of the end of the campaign for you. Right. It's just you've actually mechanized this into this is literally what actually happens. And it's not just mechanized, it's actually part of the uh the setting and how right. the world itself works. Yeah. So it actually makes sense for this to be exactly the mechanic that happens. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, it's all, I mean, it could also be, you could also say it's contrived because I'm just, I'm just like, Hey, this is a, this is a nice way for death to work in RPGs. Let's bring the world up to where I need that to be. So those two things are the same and then scaffold all that with like an actual mythology. But I mean, somewhat contrived, but it, it works. It's, it's yeah, something cool. that a lot of people have already done. They were already yeah. happy with. Like this was a, this was something a lot of people already liked. Yeah, this is a GM. This is a cover. very common house. I mean, I've done it in my games for sure. If, if you know, if there's an accidental death, there's like a you 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 do some way of pawning it off. That's yeah. You 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 basically externalize the consequences to something else they care about, and that's. That's the more interesting thing. Like mm-hmm. narratively, yeah. mechanically, everything. Like it saves you from. Oh, we have to wait for you to make a new character. Mm-hmm. That's not fun. Or yeah. we're never going to see the end of this character's storyline. It's like just because you rolled badly. That's mm-hmm. no. Like that's that happens a lot. It seems it seems to be a common enough problem that it's an actual i think it's a flaw in the design i i I can't i mean it's really hard to see it either way i mean most i mean even there's a ton of heartbreakers out there that this is uh, something very common for people to fix when they are you know i mean it's something that i fixed in in my early games i know because i noticed it was the way i was gming and i was like well that should be it would make more sense if that was just how the rule was. Um, so. It, it, <sighs> I mean, it's more interest. Like death is death of the character, or at least the player character. Is one of the least interesting things that can happen in most situations. Like, yeah, this is usually even less interesting than nothing happens. Because it's like a negative of things happening. Right. Right. It's just, yeah, right. Exactly. But but that, you know, like Mark was saying, like there's something about the, the, the harshest possible penalty being at being the stick Mm -hmm. to drive you forward. 
like and to, to keep you like from doing stupid things and it's hard to hard to contextualize what that means in the in the when when you can do magic i mean it's just yeah i mean ultimately or have resurrection spells that's the other thing like so we we left that part out right so like where dnd certainly has a fail safe that's kind of a mechanical clutch built in dnd has a a fail safe also uh for non-player characters sometimes when you die you just become a vampire and you know you don't solve (laughs) other troubles i i will say this for dnd and this is a game that i'm currently playing in Mm -hmm. um once you do get a, like a revive spell, it's mm-hmm. it's kind of shitty because depending on your well, this might just be my mm-hmm. GM, but uh, the I noticed that everything suddenly becomes a whole lot more deadly because suddenly it's like oh you you have the ability to revive right and I'm like shit mm-hmm. like now I have to use a spell slot all the time to make sure I have the spell available oh, and I wow. always have 300 gold on me because I'm <laughs> going to try to kill me. Or kill someone at some point. Right. Yeah, just because you have a tool doesn't mean that you should always be relying on that tool all the time. Mm-hmm. That's bad GMing, I would say. Yeah. Like, I, I don't think he necessarily is, but like it's it's a continuous joke in our group that I must have this ability now at all times. So yeah, well, um, it makes sense, but a lot of GMs do that. Like mm-hmm. um one of the big things is if a character takes like a disadvantage, like, oh, you have a phobia of spiders. Well, the only thing we're ever going to fight ever again is spiders, because if we don't, then you've gotten this disadvantage, gotten some points off it, and we're able to purchase some advantage for it. So if we're not fighting spiders, then it's not a disadvantage. So there has to be spiders. Always. This is not a good way to do things. I mean, to be fair, in Indiana Jones, it was always snakes. <laughs> so I mean, it wasn't always snakes. They did show up on a regular basis, but it wasn't always snakes. Right, but it felt like it. It wasn't always a big thing of spiders, is what I'm saying. Like, yeah, you know what I mean. Like, it was always his phobia, which was yeah, you know, very like usually pretty glossed over it's like oh i got a phobia of snakes it's like now all the time there's snakes and it's it's more like a joke than it is like mm-hmm. an actual an actual like like let's explore phobias in this movie it's like no it's it's right it's yeah. a silly joke no i i understand that but that's what i'm saying like if you're telling a, a pulp story mm-hmm. and and one of the characters has a phobia y- yeah you're basically saying, "Hey, GM, include this thing for this character," and in, in some on some level, you are because, mm-hmm. like, if, if like if I was playing the GURPS games I've come played, where people included disadvantages of like dependent um, grandma, and I'm like, oh, "Now I got to put your grandma <laughs> in the game, dude!" Like, why'd you do that to me? <laughs> like, <laughs> you, know, I don't, you know what I would immediately do in that situation is your grandma was an ex-badass like she she's no. always oh, like reminding that, yeah. you of how oh yes you're such a great superhero but we had it so much harder back in my day like the villains you fight today are nothing like how we used to have it and she 
just mock you relentlessly about how you're not nearly as good of a superhero as she was. Grandma's yeah. like, grandma's randomly like a l- l- level twenty bard that just no one ever talks about. <laughs> no, it, it, well, in groups you have to have you you like the amount of points you're dependent is based on is the amount of disadvantage they give you. So to get the maximum amount of disadvantage, they have to be ubiquitous and helpless. <laughs> so it's like. You show up on a roll of like 15 or less and she's built on like negative 20 points and I'm like, bro, what are you doing? <laughs> you want, you really want to like this game to be about like protecting your helpless grandma from shit because like that's effectively what you're telling me you want me to do. Yeah, <laughs> like, I can yeah. see that being but, an issue. But to kind of like, like further explore that, I do agree that um, as as a player, if I put something on my character sheet, even if it's a phobia or something negative, mm-hmm. I want it to come up at some point. Like, yeah. yes, definitely. I. But as I, a GM, I see what you're saying. It's always snakes, like every time. Yeah, right. That's yeah, not, it, it yeah. should be. If this is something that you want to explore, yeah, you should totally be like. If you have a phobia of snakes, okay, we should run into snakes at least occasionally. Like, it should be something that shows up. It's just, it should not be, okay, so this entire campaign is going to be fighting Naga. Yeah. It's like, okay, that's pushing it a little bit far. Like, I don't want this to be the only thing that we explore. Like, this becomes enforcing single-dimensional characters. Like, yeah, that's kind of boring. Although... I, I think it would be funny to be like, like you, you have a fear of snakes, okay? Well, how do you feel about Naga? It's like, I'm okay with them. It's like, okay, so the rest of the campaign is dealing with Naga, but you find out that they're young, still just look like snakes. <laughs> snakes. And you have to babysit one. <laughs> okay, see, that's fun. Yeah. See, that would be fine. Like, if it's something like... That's like for your phobia of snakes, honestly. True. <laughs> I mean, it's... I, I'm also it's a big fan of game systems in which... In which you can either overcome your fears or you can get new ones. I mean, yeah, that should be something that usually happens too. Like once you're stuck with something forever, it's like, yeah, that's not well, great. But there should also be the ability to get the new ones, as you said. It's not just, oh, we'll remove all of our negative aspects. Yeah, but you can get new negative aspects. Mm-hmm. And that can be an interesting part of gameplay too. Well, some games like, like fate, where like if if you have a negative aspect and you do overcome it, like there are, there are mechanics in fate for you know overcoming and you know getting rid of a negative aspect. You're supposed to immediately take another one, and mm-hmm. and usually at that point you're taking another one based upon your experiences in the current game, um, as best yeah. you can. Yeah, so, it can be fun, but I don't yeah. think it should necessarily always be this like. Oh, I solved one part of myself. Now a new one just mysteriously pops up out of nowhere. It's it's, it's like, not that it mysteriously that pops up, but it's like it's now a sudden focus. Like, oh, I've unburned myself of this of this like issue I've had had my entire life. Like, like you're going to have another issue. Like, yeah, like suddenly there's a new thing to fix. Not because it's brand new and it just suddenly pops up, but because your your mind now is it is less burden to now focus on something else 
Right. Or it could be an external thing that happened because you got rid of the penalty. Like, oh, you're no longer um, uh, in hoc to this mob boss, but instead this mob boss is now like terrorizing the neighborhood or something like that. You know, like it could be something different. It's not, the the story still changes and is the the aspects, the aspect still meaningfully changes. um, But, uh, or it would be something like, you know, you were at Hakko Mod Boss and now you're like, no longer under the boss's thumb or something like that. So, so that, that's both negative because, well, why is that negative? Mm-hmm. You, you, anyway, the GM would, <laughs> I'm yeah. not doing a good job right now, but the GM would help you come up with something that has a, a, a positive and negative connotation, like an aspect should for the new situation of your character. And it's not going to apply in the same places that the old aspect would, or have the same story effects or anything like that. I, I mean, the way fate does this is, is kind of, nice but it also i mean my problem with it was it just felt a little treadmilly because the numbers weren't getting bigger which is like how i it's how the brain just kind of like oh my character's getting cooler it for for me like i need that i need if there's numbers on the sheet they got to get a little better for the game to feel like i'm advancing otherwise it feels like it is treading water even if the story is advancing for the character I don't know why that is. That's a psychological thing. Maybe, maybe it's because I just played a lot of D and D or, or you know, awesome. World, of, World of Darkness or you know any other game where the numbers going up equals having more fun. Um, vertical and lateral progression are both beneficial, but in to bring it back to devs, if you are yeah. okay, yeah. let's say that we look at death from perspective other than just the player characters like what about death in terms of npcs that they know about like one of the things that you had mentioned is oh we have the ability to revive people this has to sometimes be accounted for in the actual gameplay itself because like oh we've totally had this uh npc that we needed to keep alive and they died but we can just revive them right mm-hmm. yeah so Hon- it's like now what yeah i mean honestly there's there's kind of a game-breaking thing in in D if you really think about it you have a you have a cleric who can bring someone back to life and it costs th- like 300 gold but what's to say like hey give me 600 gold and i'll mm-hmm. bring your loved one back to life you know now yep. revivify though that's a bad example because the person has to be dead less than like 10 minutes, but mm-hmm. or less than a minute. Mm-hmm. But, um, like after a certain point, you're like, okay, adventuring is not really worth it anymore. I could just <laughs> revive people's loved ones constantly for the rest of my life. My God probably wouldn't be a big fan of that. Isn't but... that technically necromancy though? Hey. You might get run out of town by, uh, Bunch of people with pitchforks and it's bringing them back to life, not to undeath. It's very specifically different. Except, except revivify is a necromancy spell. Yeah the the issue (laughs) is, will the other people consider it to not be necromancy, even if it technically were not? In this case, it is like all of the healing spells in. Yeah. Andy are technically necromantic magic. Like even healing spells are necromancy. Which I mean okay. is 
Uh, yeah. I thought they were abjuration. No. At least one version, they were all necromancy. I, I think 5th edition treats some spells as necromancy. Depending, It's very dependent on the spell, though. I don't know about 5th edition for that one. I'm pretty sure 2nd edition, all healing spells were necromancy, though. Because I could see that. Do you mean non-cleric healing spells, just to clarify? No. The, no, like the oh. cleric spells, like cleric spells had their own separate, like, um, uh, spheres. So it would count as, like, the healing sphere, but in terms of, like, which school of magic for, like, mage magic, like your wizard spells, it, if a cleric's using a healing spell, it would count as the necromancy school. Uh, oh, it was really weird. No, no. I don't. Um, I don't know if that's the case. I don't feel this is probably a thing, actually, but... <laughs> Not that much right now. Yeah. But the, I mean, the idea of, like, do people consider this to be evil or not? Like, you are healing someone, but are you healing them in a way that you really should? Because you're kind of playing God if you start reviving people you're supposed to be worshiping the gods not being the gods Maybe the gods are working through me the gods are working through yeah, me that's, it's their that's magic weird. they couldn't do you know yeah. I so, mean, it's a... so it's okay to be a necromancer as long as you have a high charisma score and you can convince people that you're actually a cleric well if, I mean if we're going strictly D&D based you're you're, yeah. You also have to convince your god, technically, too, that that you're working through them as well. Like the god bestows upon you the powers, not not you just yank power from the god to be. I'm going to heal people. Like like an evil god that grants you cleric powers is probably not going to be very keen on you just going around healing the sick. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you could, and eventually the I'm god probably like, like stop cow- that. No, unless you, there's a, no, unless you're profiting from it. Depends. It depends on the type of ego, I suppose. But yeah. Hey, let, let's be fair. If you're talking about like, you know, goblins in the Warcraft setting, I totally had a goblin priest who worshipped the Almighty Dollar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Warcraft though is very specific in which. To- the, yeah, the, the your healing power is just from quote unquote the light, and like it never really gets any deeper than that. Hmm. Yeah, they don't go into detail about that, and it was kind of, but it was funny that they let goblins who are very excessively like they're basically monsters with extreme form of capitalism, like. They care about money above all else, and it's like, yeah, they can totally be priests. They're Why? They're, they're fantasy Ferengi in in Warcraft. It's it's yeah, great, that actually. that is that is a good way to describe them, fantasy Ferengi. Yeah, that's terrible. Hmm. <laughs> hmm. It's it's uh, Warcraft lore, despite you know being a video game and being kind of old, is actually kind of fascinating. 
if you dig into it. It's just it's this really weird fantasy setting, and like it's 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 fun what they did with a lot of stuff. Yeah, and, you know, and he, a lot of stuff is very tropey and, and generic, but you know well, they yeah. they had fun with it. In any setting, if you keep it alive long enough, it just keeps building on itself. Like, yeah, there are, there are silly things about it, but like another thing about the goblins, they they love explosions. They have a thing for engineering, but their their engineering is mostly blowing shit up. So, yeah. example is a goblin fishing pole is a stick of dynamite. This. This amuses me to no end. Yeah. In the game, there's an item called Goblin Fishing Pole, and it's just a stick of dynamite. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, well, I mean, if if, if you want to take War, World of Warcraft a little bit further, right now, the current um, setting is actually them jumping into the afterlife and uh, jumping into, like, the world of the undead. And dealing with whatever the hell is going on. I actually haven't been following World of Warcraft in several years, but I do know yeah. that that is what's currently happening in the game. So that brings us to another thing with death. Like, is there a land of death in your setting? Should there be a land of death? How does it actually work? If there is one, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, I mean, you could take. So, so that's that's the, that's another thing that death can do, right? Is to be the transition between tiers of a game. Um, it, you know, plane hopping games can start out with the entire party dying, and then you know you do a TPK, and then the GM says, "Oh, you you wake up in hell or the afterlife or whatever like that." And uh, I've done that a couple of times. Um, couple of times intentionally and at least one time because it was an accidental tpk (laughs) uh but uh no that's an interesting way to do it right because you 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 put the death thing in the game it's meaningful it's it's a transition and then it gives the it it it's another way of putting characters at zero without actually taking away their abilities because fighting out of death or out of hell or, you know, that gives them a motivation that, but it also justifies that them be, be them being on the bottom rung of wherever they are. Um, and sort of re-delivering that, uh, that, that love, that early leveling experience where you're, you're, you're bottom rung and you, you move up through the difficulty of local stuff. but. That's one way to do it. Uh, you know, there's there's so many planes of death in D and D, or and in other games like Maze the Awakening, you have or World of Darkness, right? It's practically impossible to die for real in World of Darkness. There's just too many ways for the character yeah, to continue. I'm back. Cool. Yeah, you're you are yeah, way more you, likely to to become crazy in some matter and. Uh, to, to have your soul than you are to die in World of Darkness, just statistically. <laughs> that could be fair too, though. Like, you can do interesting things with such. Like, you don't have to necessarily kill the players to be in this land of the dead or whatever. Like, there is a land of the dead in the game. 
for example. One of, uh, actually in one of the play tests. So the, the dragon that killed himself, he has a copy of himself when he got into the land of the dead and the, there's no copies of the others. He has not realized this yet, even though his asterisk character is literally named Zerthstra. It's literally just his name backwards. But the concept is any character that died in the game had a copy of themselves that gets made in the land of the dead that continues on from that point onward. He got Wait. revived, but his copy is still living there. Yeah, living in the land of the dead is a weird sentence construct. But uh, what I'm, given the nature of things <laughs> as a world, how full is that goddamn app? Like, it must have a higher population than the actual world by, seven, by a factor of, like, seven. <laughs> you think that's a very possible case? And there are a lot more that actually became a plot point recently. Uh, um, some type of cleaning method for the realm of the dead? Oh no, well, they they they're okay, so because his character is obsessed with his his library and he wants to learn everything, like he's basically becoming obsessed with like learning everything there is. His undead counterpart decided you know what? We we have like a lot of really smart people. Like there's so many people that were like, I wonder what would happen if I did this. And then they learned the hard way. So there's a lot of undead copies of, you know, perfectly good mages and scholars and such that had very bad ends. So because of this, he was like, well, we don't have any, like, colleges for magic and such here. Why don't we just find a way to get, like, all of them into the land of the living again? And then we're going to, like, go to all of the magical colleges and demand admission. Because we obviously have something to share. Like, we have all of these perfectly good casters and intelligent people, and we'll just go to the college and show how many of them we have. So basically, like, this huge swarm of undead made their way to, like, a magical college and was demanding Whoa. to be part of it. Where is it going? <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> Because the point is that, you know, yeah. this is something you can do with death, though. Like, this only works because these characters were dying. And because, as Kavar said, the population of the land of the dead would be higher than the population of the land of the living because it keeps making copies of people. I mean, so it's they completely really flooded the city. That's also true in general because, you know, uh, sorry, just the statistics of population, but yeah, even more in Sarasaka, oh, yeah. you could die like six or seven times, and, you know? Yeah, exactly. But yeah, it's just a really bizarre situation that only made sense because characters can die and be revived. 
<laughs> yeah. What if what I was thinking here is like have a meet the version of yourself. Like how much does that happen in the underworld? It's just I know I'm getting distracted on a really stupid thing, but still. I remember in uh, in Race the Oblivion, what happened if I remember the metaphysics of that correctly, it's something like you die, a wraith version of you appears on the other side. Your body's still in the material world, so it does copy you. And then what happens to most wraiths is they get harvested by somebody else and turned into basically raw materials for stuff that other wraiths need. Uh, but you, you get your cowl removed and then you're not sent to the smelting farm or whatever like that. Uh, and that's why the uh, afterlife in Wraith is largely is is justifiably as empty as as it is in the real world, if not slightly more, because older ghosts prey on newer ghosts. So that's an interesting way to control the population in the afterlife. <laughs> Just have them all eat each other. Yeah, those, see, are, any... those ghosts go. Those ghosts, those ghosts get turned into stuff. So basically, like if you have a sword and the sword doesn't exist in the real world, it means it's made out of the person. Hmm. Made out of somebody's soul that has just been stripped of every other facet of itself except its swordness. That's kind of weird. It's also weird that like it's easier yep. to die for real once you're dead than it is to die for real. By being just dying the first time. There's a couple of ways you can die in Wraith. Like so that you can get pulled into oblivion, uh, which is you can go through like the wastes. I don't know how to conceptualize that. Uh, but there's places in in the afterlife that are more violent than other places, and there are like these maelstroms that suck you down to oblivion. I think it's largely based off of the the. Do you ever see Ghost with Patrick Swayze? You know those shadows that grab grab the other ghosts and drag them. Like that's. I think that's what Wraith was supposed to like be a lot of. Is like that thing. I've not seen it, but the concept is fairly common. Yeah, yeah. There's there's darker. There's like you're like the livingerist ghost. And then there's darker, more dead ghosts that live underneath you. I don't know what that really means. Uh, especially in the afterlife, it's strange. Like, how do you conceptualize that? But sure. It's just a hierarchy. It's just a hierarchy, right? Yeah. But there's, <laughs> there, there's deader ghosts. Mm -hmm. And then there's the dark ghosts that are... So the shadow... So when you become a wraith, you also become a shadow. Uh, and your shadow is controlled by another player character, another player at the table. So they're always trying to tempt you with power from the shadow and the shadow has a different character sheet. And this is a super hard game to play for a lot of reasons. Uh, but one of them was you had two character sheets and somebody else had to play your shadow. Uh, and what would happen to wraiths in that setting who died is their shadow would be the evil thing. And then that would go down to oblivion and become the super dead ghost and turn into an evil or it would you know, I don't know, have sex with other shadows or something. I don't know how it works, but Sorry. they they, they would make worse shadows. Sorry, super dead ghost in 
is a it sure is a sentence. Yeah. yeah. So so a thing then. Since we have like, you know, living characters, we have dead characters, and we have death with benefits characters, like the undead. Mm-hmm. How would you define like sh- like where should this be in a game? Do you think like do you do you think there should be more than one type of death? Should like you include these as separate things, like different tiers of undead? Like like there's physical undead in a lot of games, mm-hmm. like zombies, and then you have more spiritual undead like ghosts. Mm-hmm. Like these or, are sometimes yeah. separated. Mm-hmm. Like to what degree? Would it usually be a good idea to distinguish the different variations on DAST? Well, you could do the mind, body, soul thing, right? And then you kill one of those things and bring the other two back or bring one of them back. So like the zombie is the is the body brought back without the soul or the mind. Let's say the vampire is brought back without the soul, right? So they're, they're, they have a mind and they have a body. And then like the ghost is brought back with just the soul, maybe, or just the mind. And then like the other wraithier thing is brought back with the soul and the mind. And uh, who knows, you know, like you could do it like that. And then you, that, 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 that was, uh, I think that was Carr's version basically was like kind of bringing back different aspects of a person would result in different kinds of undeath. That's, that's a fairly cool way to do it. I think, uh, and then you have like World of Darkness Undeath, where it's just like, here's a random ass vampire, and then here's another more random ass vampire, and then so, some people can also be ghosts, and then sometimes those ghosts can come back as zombies, but also they can come back as more smart zombies that are that that have powers, and sometimes you can stitch a person together after death and make that person alive, and then sometimes also you can wrap them in stuff and that makes them alive, and there's a whole lot, there's a lot of ways to not be dead, uh, <laughs> and. Geist. I don't even know what a geist is. Geist is just a dude that kind of died and then had another ghost piggyback on them. So yeah, I misunderstood geists originally. So to be fair, the uh, Mm -hmm. the cube in my setting were originally based on a very short story I had written based on a misinterpretation of how geist worked. I liked my version better, though. Like, when I found out how Geist actually worked, I was really disappointed. I was like, so, yeah, I now have my version because they're better. <laughs> they're what I wanted it to be. <laughs> That's how storytelling is done. Yeah. In a lot of cases, yes. But, okay, so. Yeah, I mean, you could also introduce another system where, like, you know, you have death. There's the uh, I can't remember what culture, culture or person thought of this, but the the three deaths mm-hmm. that a person experiences: the the death of the physical body, the death of everyone that they knew, and then the death of the last time someone spoke their name. Mm-hmm. Was that Egyptian? I think Egyptian what? had something to do with that. I I, I I I might be totally mistaken, but that's what's ringing the bell. I don't know. I mean, it's uh, possible. I I yeah. it's one of those things where. I've heard it for so long that I actually don't know where I heard it from in what yeah. context. 
Yeah, I feel you on that one. I know the Egyptians had multiple souls. They had the Ka, the Ba, the 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 I can't remember that one. So there's like the dark version of you, like the dark soul, the the awake mental part of you, and then like your essence were all different parts. Yeah, conceptualized differently. The, the Dark Soul is hard to kill because it keeps rolling out of the way. <laughs> I knew someone was going to say something about it. I wasn't sure how you were going to do it, but points to you for doing it. No. I tried. <laughs> did my best. Oh, the Ock. <laughs> Sorry. Ba, the Ka, the Ba, and the Ock. You right. can help me on human comprehension to make a sword that scales on luck. But actually hit them harder than a regular sword. Sorry. That just always bothered me. That's from Demon Souls. What? Oh Demon Souls. Oh right. Yeah. I I've seen it in a I've seen it in the novel before. <laughs> what a soul based on luck? A uh, sword based sword. on luck, yeah. Mm-hmm. As in the as the album series, which was a very interesting take on the afterlife as well. So rather than talk about the sword, talk about the death part of it, which was interesting, where basically the demons were supposed to be like, you know, tending to the hell side of the afterlife. And they actually didn't like their working conditions. They were actually kind of busy about it. It's like, okay, It doesn't need to be a million degrees in here because humans can't tell the difference between, say, a thousand degrees and 10,000 degrees. It's the same to them. Making it a million degrees just makes it miserable for, for the demons who are working there because they can tell the difference. Yeah, but that's the whole point. Demons are also miserable in hell, or it depends on your mythology, I guess. But yeah. in some in some conceptions, the demons are also supposed to be upset and pissed off and being punished. But, yeah, it was, it was just an interesting thought that yeah, they can actually experience a much wider range of mm-hmm. temperature than humans can. So because they're both at that point, just be like, hey, we don't like it down here, yo. They are going back to heaven. We're going to be good guys. Fuck you. <laughs> or like, no, we love you. That's why we're going back to heaven. I don't know. Uh, to be fair, they didn't like heaven either. No, it was too, you know, uh, the thing heaven is. <laughs> it's it's bigger of own earth. Flapjack. Well, part of the issue was it was filled with angels and we didn't like angels. Angels mm. stuck up and kind of irritating. I'm just remembering... So. All I can think about it now is nobles and it's angels and you know what? Uh record and noble is uh God left really early on and might not have existed, and the angels are constantly trying to make a beautiful place and create beautiful things. God will come back and love them again. And the demons are the renegade angels who love everything else that was created. And Joe and society is not good enough to bring God back. Yeah, but I I can see that dichotomy. Yep. Mm. I don't know why I felt the need to explain that. I just was thinking about it. We can move <laughs> on. Sorry. Uh, 
for an afterlife then. So because we kind of touched on that as well a couple of times now, not just that there might be a land of the dead, but an afterlife at all. Is it being run by anybody like angels and demons? Is there any kind of afterlife where this is the correct one true way or all different imaginations of afterlifes are true or there's like a lot of different variations on how you interact with death after you've Mm -hmm. died and this takes place in a lot of different settings and it can also take place mechanically within games like how how do these places differ yeah there's i mean I mean, you have to ultimately do what serves your serves your vision, but there's so many ways to do it. It's it's it can be really hard to narrow it down. I mean, you know, you really have to think about like what you want to accomplish there, like what feeling you want to convey, what experience you want the players to have before. I just step out for a bit, but uh, okay, I would normally put that in text. Bye. Bye. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, okay. Uh, so, thing, thing, thing. Um, I totally lost my train of thought. Afterlife things. Right, afterlife it things. Up for players. For players, right. What experience do you want them to have of the afterlife? You know, do you want this to be, like I mentioned earlier, like like a new, like a... a setting them back to zero in a sense like putting them on the lowest rung of the the ladder where they're 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 working their way up to get out of the afterlife or um either like fight their way out of hell in one case and when and says some you might do that you might do something where your your afterlife is much more like a valhalla type thing where you are undergoing trials to impress the gods and, and they increase the in difficulty the trials and you can have that narrative go on you could do something like a uh i mean you could do the you could recapitulate like the 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 bureaucracy of heaven right the the, the uh and and have <laughs> and have them like get stuck in this this crazy like go here and fill out form b and then navigate this thing and just it, just for a total change of pace, maybe the players would want to do like a social intrigue game, you know, or something like that. And and that's a way to change pace as well as have them in, encounter afterlife bureaucracy. I never actually pulled that off, but it's, it's always something I was kept in the back of my head. But I, I don't really know how I do it effectively or make it fun because it just sounds nightmarish to me. <laughs> so, kind of does. Yeah. But that I could see it potentially working. But the way you're describing that actually made some reminded me of something as well was the concept of the SimCity style game of afterlife where you're literally in charge of heaven and hell. And one of the specific parts of that is you can influence the beliefs of the people on the planet to change what they believe in. So you can change it so that 
either they believe they go to heaven and hell, for example, like, oh, you go through and yeah, you, you pay for your sins and then you go to, you know, for your rewards for the things that you did afterwards kind of thing. Or you could do just one or just the other, or you could influence them to be like, oh yeah, reincarnation is totally a thing after you have, you know, died and gone through like your just rewards then you get reborn back on the planet again or maybe this is an eternal thing where you stay in like heaven and oh because you're staying here as a permanent resident we could actually just promote you to an angel and you can actually work here kind of thing mm -hmm. it was like they managed to go through and make every major like permutation of this concept actually be doable which was kind of weird especially for a game that old hmm. but because there's like all these different permutations and yeah it's not a tabletop role-playing game but you could easily translate that into one without any issue because it makes total sense Or you could take any one of those variations and be like, yeah, there's like this particular variation. Yeah, it works. It, it, it shows up this way. Or you could go in other variations as well. Like there's more than one concept of the afterlife like you were going on, like Valhalla set up or like the Egyptian land of the dead. Or there's like... Mm -hmm reincarnation with several different forms of uh, Hinduism and stuff like that. It's like sure. yeah. death is something that humans are really preoccupied with. Mm -hmm. Yep. So, so it it's kind of weird that there are a lot of games that actually do not really touch on death that much. Or if they do touch on death, it's only very lightly. Like, again, you look at like D&D, for the most part, it's like, oh, you died, that's the end of it. And it's like, there's so much stuff in this vague kind of a setting you have that deals with death. Like, the entire alignment chart is based on like, basically the outer planes. And these do relate to death. Why are you not using it? Like that actually kind of bugs me that there's this many different things related to death in the standard generic D and D setting. Mm -hmm. Well, it's because it's not actually used. It's because a lot of times it's like there's so much stuff that you can do in in mm -hmm. a game like D and D. I mean, the the very nature of an RPG like basically means you can do whatever the fuck you want. Um, so yeah. the answer is do nothing. Yeah, <laughs> I mean that. That's a that's a valid thing, you know. When given a plethora of choice, the human mind tends to lock up and not be able to make a choice. Uh, you know, having having death as a choice for your characters is is. I mean, it's a it's unorthodox, you know, um, in terms of just a standard D and like a standard like. RPG action, like 
like usually if someone's willing to give up their life it's like a single like player character who either at the very end of the campaign or doesn't like their character or just thinks this is this is a good way for this character to end because like maybe i finished the main part of my character arc and i'm satisfied with this character um like making these choices (laughs) making these choices um while it doesn't have to be permanent does change the game does but the way you were describing that also reminded me again of Planescape Torment mm-hmm. because again it was based on the D&D second edition roles except your character was immortal and they did bring up the thing of like you know the different outer planes like you can actually get into a conversation with someone in the game talking about like the different ways that you can like where you might go for an afterlife when when you die and you can because this is a silly game at times and you're immortal you can have a conversation with this character and get in an argument with them and be like no everybody dies and it's like no but i don't it's like and he's arguing with you about this you actually can have the option to just grab your head and snap your own neck and just die in front of them, then get up a few minutes later and be like, okay, your turn. <laughs> See, I I proved my side of the argument that I can't die. So now it's your turn to prove your side of the argument that when you die, you go to one of these mystical places that you were talking about. So come on, prove it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, it's just one of those things that if you're going to be playing with death as a concept, you can actually do that kind of thing. And it kind of bugs me that we don't use death as an interesting mechanic or concept in games more often than we do. I mean, with all the games that you all described, I'd, I'd almost argue that there, that there are those games like they do i mean like, some people not. want to play as a regular hero some people want to play as a superhero some people want to play as a you know marine brigade who all died come back to life to you know save mars like i, I don't know I, i'm just making something up but like sounds like but, it's part of doom somehow yeah exactly but like <laughs> the the wolf blow doom like i i don't think i I don't think it's as it is as ignored as it is other than other than just um allowing your setting to be able to give you the option to do it um allow your mechanics a you know a way to give you the option to do it it's like like I'd almost say it's it's more common than we give credit for, but we just don't actively acknowledge it I think that might be partially true I think part of it might may very well be that in a lot of games we don't tend to explore that aspect of the game like Mm -hmm. even if you have like okay you can die this is not necessarily a bad thing Mm -hmm. like you might actually have situations where dying might be intentional it might be a good thing it might be helpful to you yeah i mean it's a it's a heavy topic 
I mean, it, potentially heavy topic in general, you know, I, um, because you're going to explore stuff when, when people die, even in a joking game, you're probably going to explore, you know, stuff that people might be uncomfortable exploring might be. Yeah. I think might. that's kind of a good thing though, because when you explore something like that topic in a, in a game, you can do so in a much safer way than, you know, having to explore it at a funeral. Like Fair. you get more, you can think about it in a more abstract way without it being like, oh, this is just terrible. Somebody I knew died. I can't think about like, what are the benefits of death? It's like, I'm too busy kind of grieving, you know, grandma. So it's kind of making it difficult to focus on that side of thing. And then the rest of the time, it's like, do we really want to think about death right now? So, I mean, I do, but that's, I'm weird. Yeah, but I, I think a lot of people don't, but I think it's an interesting topic, especially when you're, you're getting into things like the afterlife or, or ghosts and like, people really do love this kind of stuff. Like how many people like hearing about like ghost stories in haunted houses? Like, oh, I don't want to talk about death, but... I've been binge watching like, you know, 17 seasons of like these ghost hunter story TV shows. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, so it's not as bothersome to you as you first let on. So people do have a fascination with death to a large extent, I think. So it's kind of weird that we don't put this more forwards in games as something to explore yeah. like it does exist in a lot of games but it's rarely actually utilized yeah but i think monkey brings up a good point though like how do you because there are people you're going to have people at the table who have experienced it and you don't know if somebody's just lost somebody that can mm -hmm. happen uh yeah and uh, so you mm -hmm. Oh, sorry. Yeah. I was, I was going to bring up the point that, like, um, you'll be happy, Katrice, in my game, death is actually going to be explored in some way in, in pretty, pretty heavy detail, especially the soul. But um, the person that I was going to initially, you know, make the target player for a lot of that discussion, his dad just passed away. And so I'm uh. like, oh, no. Okay. Now I have to talk to him and make sure that either it's okay or find a different way to talk about it slightly because right. uh i the reason i didn't bring that up earlier was i had to hop into the twitch chat and make sure none of my players were watching oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so okay so um what you're saying is the worst thing you could do is make like a sock puppet of his dad and ask him through the sock puppet if it's okay yeah like like that's 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 why definitely would, not why what would you even think of that? That's so weird. <laughs> that's, that's, that's definitely not how I would do it. I would just basically be like, hey man, I was gonna have your character deal with some like stuff about the soul and death and everything like that. But yeah. you know what? If 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 your dad just passed away recently is a problem with that and you and you you're uncomfortable with it, like don't worry about it. I will find a different way to deal with this story element. 
that mm-hmm. doesn't involve stuff like that. Yeah, I, I'd like to say in my defense, but no, I, I have no defense for that. Yeah. My, my brain just goes really weird places sometimes. Yeah. 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 No, I, I, I see what you're saying. I mean, it's, but, but, but I, yeah, you bring up a good point, right? Because how do you, how do you approach those things? There's, there's, Obviously. yeah, I, I think the best way is to take, is to, you know, uh, well, make sure that people are on board with it, with that, you know, I, and yeah, like you said earlier, like the session zero can be a big help. Yeah, with it, that, has, but. it has to be session zero because that's the point when you talk about these things anyway, like, what's okay for us to explore what do you really want to get out of the game what do you want to to be doing in it mm-hmm. that's like the primary answer to this probably is just session zero there you go if you don't do session zero then you're going to wind up with really potentially yeah. awkward stuff yeah i mean in hindsight i probably should have brought this up in session zero but i didn't realize that two of my players in the past six months you know we're going to have major deaths in their families so i was like so now that i'm that that's happened i'm like i should actually add something you know right if, if this is if this is cool if this is okay one i'm fairly certain it's okay with but you know don't don't assume because mm-hmm. because someone's okay on the outside does not mean they're not torn up on the inside about something yeah for sure man it's like that, that that's the kind of stuff where you have to it's you, you really want to tread carefully because you really don't want to yeah you step on someone in that moment like it's yeah it's um especially if their coping strategy is to not think about it and then bring it up mm-hmm. yeah yeah i mean it's 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 definitely one of those things and it's like and and i'm not like introducing stuff like like that but it's it's mm-hmm. close enough in which i'm dealing with death and soul mm-hmm. that it's it's something that should be brought up it's something that should be discussed first before i i introduce it um yeah in a different circumstance I think that it would have been okay, but because mm. um, it's not you know dealing with an individual, it's not their own death, and it's not anyone that they know in the game that's dying. It's mm. it's the general like but, but like for my game, it's it's literally um, the god of the afterlife is dead. What do you do when <laughs> none of the dead can cross over? Right. Like. Oh. No, I don't want to talk about that right now because it's a derail. <laughs> that's a good one though that's i i've i've done let me see have i done some, anything like that with the dead death but i have there's been um so in the midnight setting uh fantasy flight's midnight setting the uh the, the dead the planes are sealed so the dead can't leave so it's the kind of thing where like oh yeah anybody who dies is is functionally stuck and usually turns into one of the one of the undead uh and yeah, that's a, that's an interesting way of that's an interesting way of doing it too. Like having the god of death go a wall <laughs> or die, just whatever whatever's whatever is yeah. fun. It's it's fun because they actually don't know that the god of death died in front of them. They don't they don't know if that's who that was that died. Oh, interesting, huh? I was able Don't to learn hide that. soon enough. Oh, I know. <laughs> oh, I that has happened in. A lot of settings, like even the Discworld setting, they had a mm-hmm. case where where 
Dast just went on vacation. <laughs> yeah, that's what that I caused see. a lot of problems. It's like turns out, yeah, like everybody's like, oh yeah, wouldn't it be so much better if you didn't have death? And it's like, turns out the answer is no. Yeah. <laughs> but then it also brings in further things about uh, what what happens what happens when a god dies? What is their afterlife like? Do they mm-hmm. have? Well, and you, and you just the, get the layers. Oh God, the layers. I could, <laughs> but the the issue I have with that is that the way that's usually handled is that the gods already live within the afterlife that they control. Like, if you have like Hades, he actually lives in Hades, mm-hmm. or maybe it's the other way around. I can't remember which pronunciation is which but the point is like you usually have like this god living in their own afterlife essentially like when a mortal dies they go to this afterlife but it's and they'll see the god there so if the god dies then there's not really an afterlife for them to go to in most cases usually what happens is so i mean when 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 a god quote-unquote dies they go back to whatever primordial chaos or they there's no they're just ended they're not a generally that's what happens mm. most mythologies like if a if a god dies in one way or another then it's just that's it that's there's no coming back there's no which is interesting right because like it means that's, that mortals are the ones most immortal, but the immortal characters in any mythology tend to be the most mortal, which is kind of backwards, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, sort of, but it's it's it depends on whatever, it depends on the eschatology of the that particular myth cycle, however they're doing it. Is. Eschatology. Uh, the, 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 the part of theology concerned with 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 um uh ending stuff okay okay yeah. no, it, i wasn't sure if i i could even spell that to to do a search for what it meant <laughs> the, 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 the 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 ragnarok ragnarok's eschatology uh, uh, yeah. uh okay. revelation the book of revelation uh, any of those so okay. yeah Basically, not just the end of life, but the end. The end. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it is still, I think it still concerns death as like a, I, I don't know. I'd have, I'd have, to, have to look it up. But, but it is yeah, there's a whole branch. Yeah, go ahead. Well, it is interesting as well that like in so many of these different religions and mythologies that there is actually an end story mm-hmm. like it's weird that when you look at like the concept of even like the christianity setup or abrahamic religions in general because they have like god is eternal and not just immortal but always was always will be even so they still look at 
like Earth not just having a beginning, but it will definitely have an end to it as well, which is kind of strange that it's like they're able to grasp the idea of a God which has no beginning or end, but they can't grasp anything else as not having a beginning or end everything else even in the world itself even though they had no reason to really assume that the planet would sometime die like we look at it now and it's like yeah well science we now know that it's probably only good for another few billion years at most but they didn't oh. know that at the time it's Sure, they did because everything else around them does the same thing. It's it it, it it it. I mean, you can take their perspective as um, unscientific, and, and it was it wasn't based on science, but it was based on observation and rational thinking. Uh, and so, you, you know, the laws of correspondence and and whatnot are pretty functional, even in modern physics, and. Things having a beginning naturally means they have an end. I mean, that's one of the first things humans really grapple with is like the idea of things ending. So, I mean, it, it makes sense. Like, it, it doesn't strike me as weird that, and and the conception of a thing that always was encompasses all things at beginning and end. So it's not. I mean, technically speaking, it's just the end for us, right? It's a, it. Everything else, everything else keeps going. So there's a, there's, well, I don't know, that gets into a whole extra discussion about <laughs> is death even a thing or does, if there is a universe, it, it does, death is just merely a change of state and, or, or dispersal, but nothing ever, there's no, nothing ever stops being. There is just the one thing. So. You know, one of the strangest things that I I thought of in terms of how my game setting is set up is that you could define death as the, the strands of fate for this character no longer affect, like, the tapestry of fate. Like, basically, they are no longer an event they are not changing what happens but since curses are basically an aspect of removing some of the interactions of the individual with fate like it's basically predefining what's going to happen outside of your control and it's possible to detach those strands from you. It leads me to a sudden question of what happens if you removed all of the strands of fate from a character so that they no longer interacted with the tapestry, but they're still technically alive, but nothing they do has any effect any longer. Are they real? Like, what are they defined as then? Like, that's I, not even undeath. That's just, it's like non-existence while still being alive. Right. It's an idea. You become an idea. Ideas make people do things. 
Well, I don't think anybody really does. <laughs> I mean, I think we become an abstraction, and to, to the degree that our abstraction is effective, we stay alive. But uh, I, I, I don't know. That seems to be what happens on point of death. We translate it into an idea. Ideas make people do things. You still have agent. Like it's weird, right? Like your agency can definitely extend past your death. Like that's not write, even. I did write a game about that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, I know a dude whose dad literally became a corporate entity upon his death and it's, and it's still doing stuff. Like people are still executing commands at his behest. So is he, I don't know what that means. His body's not here. He can't make new commands, but like, as far as like the law is concerned, he's still doing stuff. So that's weird. <laughs> I mean, it's not weird though. It's extremely common. That's what's, and that might be what's weird. <laughs> the, the 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 thing is, that's really normal, uh, and it's been normal for a really long time. I just don't think we acknowledge it as as for what it is. Is like people transition into an idea phase, which I'm pretty sure is another phase of matter. I don't see how how else it could be conceptualized. It's just really just energy right ideas in some sense like the ideas in my head are energy they, but they get stuck there so they're like a singularity of of ideas i don't think i would consider it a state of matter but it, well, because there's a dude doing math on this a couple of guys doing math on this yeah but the concept of like a state of matter usually implies like, you know, solid, liquid, that kind of thing, not mm -hmm. hamburger. Like hamburger is a very specific organization of matter that has specific In qualities to it. I right. <laughs> Information is a phase of matter, is what I'm saying. I could kind of, okay, as a phase, that might be different. Like when it, you say it's, state, I immediately right. think. I, I don't know. It's well, it's it's something. It's it's it, it appears to be the baseline level of reality is just raw information, and, and information has to come from energy. If you don't have energy, then you don't have information. Right. It's just it's just the energy is. It, 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 I don't know. It, it, it's, it's a weird thing, but it seems to be that like space is just information stacked on top of itself. Oh. I'd have to think hey. about that more. Okay, so we're deep in we're we're knee deep in the metaphysics. Two hours in, and Jimona <laughs> started into the podcast soon. Oh yeah, good idea. That's probably a good place to. Yeah, it's a good. All right, everybody. It's a good time to do so, and yeah, we've basically gone through death in so many ways that. Yeah. If we miss anything, let us know. Probably. Come on. Probably. Tell us. Tell us more. What did we miss? You have to what actually interact with us. You have to come on to the Discord, and and yell at us directly, and don't worry, we'll yeah. we'll yell back, and it'll. We probably, won't improve. Otherwise. Yeah. yeah. But we're willing to try. Maybe. I don't know. I am. Are we willing uh, to die trying? I mean, that is the real question given the episode. Yes. <laughs> yes. This is this is this is this is the hill. This is the hill I will die on. Is flail forward.
Oh dear. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just going to say, like, out of of all the hills you could die on, I mean, this isn't the worst. Not the worst. Not by long stuff. Pretty good hill. I got friends here. It's, you know, it's it's very internet-y. We have a lot of laughs. It being very internet-y, you just said in a positive context, so I don't know what to think about that. (laughs) Anyway. Internet-y has some positive contexts, it has some negative ones too, but it has a lot of good stuff. Overall. Anyway, good night, everyone. Yeah, good Uh, night, everyone. Let us know how we did. (laughs) Yay. What was that incredibly high-pitched squeak at the end? Was that somebody's mic? That was probably me. Sorry. (laughs) It's fine. (laughs) Okay. All right. Good night, everyone. Stop streaming. Have a good one. Oh, stop recording. Craig. Live.